All that money you saved on Tom Brady's contract goes towards hand jobs. shop for news views and overreactions to all things nfl it's the off season and free agency is upon us we've just had the tags come in so we thought it was about time we had a chat to you about who your team could pick up and who they're going to lose so hey we got connor here and we've got ronan yeah it's here me doing well yeah any shka down in cork it's been pretty quiet around here and just tipping away at work and we're going through a big audit at the moment at work so uh oh fun obviously all well on our best behavior yeah i'm here and i've got a few bits of work finishing up got a couple of papers to f- close out and uh i'm going to be moving to iraq so that's going to be good fun uh so at the moment we are packing up the house slowly but surely we've got about four and a half weeks until the missus moves across and then i'll hang out on dublin for probably about another five or six weeks beyond that and then head across myself so that'll be an exciting adventure that also writes the team name of all my fancy football leagues for next year <laughs> Yeah, so we'll pop into a few bits of news. Uh, this is going to be a bit more of a free-form one where we kind of just look at all the free agency stuff and there's a lot of changes that have happened in this offseason. So probably the main story to start with will be Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reid have settled their collusion case with the NFL. This was an agreement out of court with no admission of liability and uh, what's the term, a, a secrecy clause or whatever? Yeah, a non-disclosure agreement. Anyway. Non-disclosure, yes. Um, so rumours indicate that Kaepernick got somewhere in the region of 60 to 80 million. You'd imagine that Reid got a lot less, uh, but he has also been extended by Carolina since the closing of this case, three years, 22 million. Smartly, given how the safety market's going to look, as we'll talk about in the preview. Reid played a decent get- season last year. None of the backfield for the Panthers played particularly well last year like he was probably the best of them maybe but they were all pretty pants um so I'm not sure about that so Kaepernick remains unsigned he is looking for a job presumably now that this is closed out you might imagine that even in this agreement there might be some assistance from the NFL to try and get him back into a team or something yeah so we're never going to find out exactly what happened in this because of the NDA but it's an interesting move because what was a big movement and meant to be bigger than that is there's, there's people who say because it was settled for money it was all a personal thing for Kaepernick and there's others who say well look he can take this money and do some good with it and then others say well the NFL generates you know multiple billions every year this is a drop in the ocean for them and they just get to forget about a headache what's your take like he's an individual obviously he's already given a lot of money to good causes and when you get an offer like this which was rumored to be in the area of 60 80 million like that sets you up for life and gives you the opportunity to immediately like make a hopefully positive contribution to the communities that matter to you i think ultimately when you have a legal case like this around it also does, you know, actively prevent you from talking about certain things. And obviously he signed an NDA around certain elements of this, but, you know, everything outside the NDA he can now talk about in terms of his legal situation. I think, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm sure going up against the NFL legally is very expensive and you're probably of winning, even if you have a great case, which he probably very much had, um, isn't necessarily certain. So I think for him... Like, it means he can move on. Will we ever see him in the NFL again? I, I very much doubt it. Like, there is a couple of owners maybe who would make a statement. Like, I think Carolina, the change they had in the nature of their ownership might be, like, a, an example. But, like, if I was to, a betting man, I would not expect to see Kaepernick play football again. But he's probably going to be more well-known than most quarterbacks are um, 10 years from now. Speaking of that, that change in ownership in Carolina, wasn't it uh, their old owner who interviewed him at the combine and said like do you have a tattoo because you can't be a leader or a face of a leader of men or a face of our franchise if yeah you have a so tattoo? He, owned, he asked cam newton that i believe at the time so yeah i think that owner well we know that owner was a scumbag and uh the new one is much more from uh he's from more he's a metropolitan elite as uh some might call him yes uh, yes yes and you know yeah yeah it's a um, <laughs> how that guy has a fucking permanent statue i'll never understand moving on to everyone's favorite story of the offseason so far uh robert Kraft has been arrested on first degree solicitation charges in florida on two counts of getting caught up in a prostitution sting involving trafficked women and they believe they have video evidence and he's basically banged to rights on this uh the details of this include that he um, he went there on the day of the afc championship game before flying out to kansas city now bear in mind this this is a small time 
Asian massage parlor where I believe it was something like $50 for a half hour dealing. This is probably the first instance of anyone going out of their way to pay for a $50 hand job and then take a private jet across America to sit in an owner's box, right? Like, I don't know, maybe men of that generation, they just have a much a higher appreciation for the art of the hand job or something like that. Like, but this is... Look after the pennies and the pounds to look after yourself. This is yeah. a man who is worth, like, multiple billions and he's traveling <laughs> oh. to... Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, this is... It's, like, such a ridiculous story. Like, it doesn't really make sense. I think a couple other kind of, uh, like, prominent members of, like, it's, like, former, like... House representatives of Floridans or whatever were caught up in this thing as well. So this was a larger sting where Robert Kraft just happened to be the biggest, you know, uh, fish as it were. Uh, despite the reports put at the time that someone bigger was going to get caught, but it's just it's just such a ridiculous story. It makes zero sense. It, like especially like going to somewhere like this. It's just I don't know. Like I assume the idea is to go out, out of your way where you know like this is just like no one cares about places like this. But I think um, I think morally speaking. I know there's a lot of different views on uh, prostitution, but uh, I think it's one of these places where there's a there has been rumors that it uh, that women there might be from trafficked communities from China, um, and therefore that probably makes it a lot more immoral. And um, just the fact that you're going, the fact that you're going there and, and going with people who could be in that situation rather than like a high end escort, which you can well ex- well afford, is yeah. kind of worse, you know. I believe current reports as well say so that part of the sting was that they believe there was underage people working in this yeah. venue there as well. Go. So it's a it's it, it, it's a hell of a mess he's gotten himself caught up in there. So he'll pro- he'll probably face some discipline from the NFL, but all they can really do is like take some money away or. I don't know, maybe take a draft pick or something. I don't know. There's, Tom like, Brady yeah. is suspended for four games. <laughs> Finally, Roger Goodell gets his revenge. But, Justice. Uh, funny, like, it's, it's, it's a really stupid story. Uh, and, you know, if he gets time in prison for this, then, you know, he only has himself to blame. Yeah, and it'll, uh, apparently, like, his biggest concern at the moment is he really wants to make it to the Hall of Fame, and this might be an issue for him. <laughs> Which uh, I'm more than fine with. And uh, final main story, I suppose, is, well, we'll talk about this more in the actual draft preview, but uh, Kyler Murray has declared as a QB, says that's all he's focusing on. He's not going to go play baseball for the Oakland days. This buzz means he's probably going to be a first rounder. There's some stories that we'll discuss about linking yeah. him to the number one pick in Arizona, and that is just... At this point, it's doing my head in because we're getting six stories every day saying they will and they won't, and it's all a mess, and we will talk about that in a bit. But yeah, so Kyler Murray enters the QB race, kind of is now probably the biggest name being discussed at the moment. He's definitely jumped above Haskins and stuff like that on a lot of uh, people's big boards. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins then decided to run at the combine and then did a five-plus-second run, which made everyone like him even less, but... uh... He had cramps, apparently, but uh, mm. he's probably feeling pretty miffed right now because he's been like the uh, presumed number one quarterback for so long. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, of course, it'll kill him. Uh, on to controversy corner. A few bits and pieces have happened. The Raiders have a home. They are going to continue to stay in Oakland for this year with an option for the following year if there is any further delays on their Las Vegas stadium. Uh, this obviously comes, as we discussed previously, after the 49ers blocked their move to San Francisco. Yeah, it was... It's an unusual spot because I think they're still suing them. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're now going to be there again. But it makes sense that this team is back in the building that is literally 20% shite. Yeah, and with the rats and the in the soda machines and all that. Yeah, like oh. I, I, like I, when we talked about how this is going to be a big mess and I suppose there's no more appropriate end to this relationship than two quarreling lovers ending up entwined with each other to the bitter end. In this case, you know, Oakland are stuck basically have stuck themselves there for at least one more year and it's the Raiders so don't be surprised if it's for two years and it's just going to be it'll be interesting to to see all the bitchiness that I'm sure will be exchanged between the ownership and the uh, municipality like yeah. I, I don't know like it's, it's, it's a shit stadium uh, but hey Marshawn Lynch might retire now so that's one good thing they have going for them no of course uh, also in controversy corner Kareem Hunt has been signed John Dorsey the general manager of the Cleveland Browns rushed out and decided that he needed to get him before anyone else did uh, so they signed him to a 1 million one year deal the suspension is still coming so we're expecting at least 6 games is what we're expecting I think uh, yeah. in this and there is the fact that there's multiple things that are being investigated at the same time. They were very quick to try and initially talk up their signing and say that they believed in him. And then about four or five days later, had to walk back a whole lot of that uh, with 
phrases like, well, he hasn't proven himself yet, but we expect him to, and all this kind of kind of weird rhetoric. Yeah. Almost saying like, well, he might not ever play him. We're like, well, you didn't run out there and give him a million dollar contract to not play him. I think they're, the biggest faux pas was basically saying we've done our due diligence. And then someone asked, did you ask the people who were the victims? And they're like, uh, next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, I think like like they obviously he's not going to play much in 2019. But I believe on a one year contract, he'd be a restricted free agent next year, so they could get him again on the cheap um, next year if they wanted to as well. So that probably explains why, even though they he isn't going to play much this year, if at all, um, they've signed him for a one year contract. Yeah, no, of course. So we'll see how that goes. Like we said, we won't see him until probably the back half of the season anyway. Uh, on to crime and punishment. What are they doing? It's probably felonies. Dallas's defensive line is a bit fucked. Uh, Randy Gregory and David Irving have both been suspended indefinitely under a substance of abuse policy. This is the fourth suspension for Gregory and the third for Irving. That means Gregory, he gone. Like, he's, he's, he's not coming back, uh, at least not in the next year or two, I don't yeah, think. Not until, uh, the new, until the CBA, which, like, reduces this as being an issue, apparently, yes. as rumoured, uh, comes about. So he's got, like, a year off until the new CBA comes in. Yeah. And then Irving is, on his third strike, is looking at a season as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's gone for the season. He's, doing, he's doing indefinite suspension on your third strike. Um, I don't know where they got that idea from. Uh, but Irving, I think, was caught <laughs> saying comments, saying, like, you know, I'm paid to play football, not be a model citizen. So he yeah. only he was helping himself uh, with his uh, media comments at the time. I think you know the only person who wins out of this is Demarcus Lawrence. He might as well send a nice like thank you note to these guys because whatever leverage the Dallas Cowboys had over him evaporated oh, yeah. very very quickly when these well, two guys decided to be idiots we'll mention him in a bit but yeah he is going to get paid uh free agent demarius thomas is in a bit of trouble he's facing vehicular assault charges following a car crash in february so he is sitting out there as a free agent i don't think there's a lot of interest in him to start with he's old he he's had injured. that leg injury this was apparently he he injured his passenger when he was doing 70 at a 30 mile per hour zone which is just fucking stupid. Yeah, I think this is the end for Demarius Thomas, isn't it? Yeah, like I think he was one of those guys that might have caught on elsewhere, probably like with a, like a one-year prove-it deal. But I think given his injury issues, he picked up like some minor injuries in this, and he's coming off an injury at the end of the season. Now he has these assault charges coming up. And by all accounts, he didn't really... He looked like at best average last year. You know, these kind of older wide receivers who don't do special teams, they struggle to get like paid regardless. Uh, but this is, yeah, pretty much a, a significant nail uh, in the coffin of his NFL career. Maybe he'll get picked up at some point, but probably no better than getting picked up by a team suffering a, a pile of injuries in the middle of the season. And uh, running back Alan Collins was also involved in a car crash. And uh, after the car crash, he also then faced marijuana and gun charges. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you keep that shit in your car, don't crash it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah but basically, but then again, uh, one might say that they're not unrelated. They're kind of correlated things. To possibly, two. possibly. <laughs> if, he did, if he just stopped shooting marijuanas, then maybe he wouldn't have crashed. But yeah, he's been caught by Baltimore because of that. So uh, we'll see if anyone wants to take a shot on that reclamation project. Baltimore running backs with questionable decision-making continues. Uh, we'll move on to some of the franchise tags, trades, extensions, and all kind of stuff. I'll run through the tags, and I think some of these will come up later on because the tags are interesting positions. So Dallas tagged Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, that is going to be a big deal because he is literally the only player they have left to to, to, to provide that pass rush. Houston have tagged Jadevian Clowney. Uh, they're interested in an extension, but they reckon that he's looking for too high a contract, so they're going to get him to play on the tag. Kansas City tag outside linebacker D Ford. This is an interesting one. We're transitioning schemes. We want to see if he still performs like he did in a three in a four three as he did in a three four. There's also talk, and we'll talk about this when we get a little bit later on, about the potential for them trading him as well if people wanted to give an offer. Seattle tied defensive end Frank Clark. They're still looking for a long-term deal and they say they're optimistic. Atlanta tagged defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. They are looking to keep negotiating but apparently the two sides are nowhere near close to each other. And San Francisco who were the first out of the gate with their franchise tag this year, tagged Robbie Gould uh, because you really needed to tag a kicker? Yeah, it's gold. Gold. Always uh, <laughs> believing yourself. Otherwise you're never Cody Parkey. Uh. 
But then yeah. again, Bears kickers ending up in San Francisco, maybe they should take Cody Parkey. They always end up turning it around over there. So there, there's a trend here, Connor, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Let's see. Defensive end, defensive end slash outside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end, defensive tackle, and yeah, San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> defensive tackle who can pass rush. This is this is basically just showing that at the moment, I, like pass rush is key in the NFL, and no one wants to let these guys get out of the building if they can do anything about People, it at all. People pay their quarterbacks and they tag their pass rushers. That's basically the, the trend. And I think someone was mentioning the irony because the tag was originally brought in for the quarterbacks, and now yeah. it's been helped to kill them. Basically, um, <laughs> I think I think of all. I think yeah, we'll talk about the D Ford one later on. I think the Frank Clark one there. They basically saying they want to extend him. Uh, it's just a question of whether uh, his age his agent decides that he can make more money by playing under the tag and coming back next year. Very possibly could. So that's fine. I think. Demarcus Lawrence, the Cowboys usually overpay their players, but they have lots of players to let them pay soon. But I think they'll, I think they'll give him a shit ton of money. I don't know if it'll be this offseason or next offseason, but he will eventually get a crap ton of money from Jerry Jones. And Clowney, I think, is probably the most interesting one, simply because I think they do want to keep him. But obviously, all the questions about his durability and his attitude and stuff like that versus his extremely, you know, extremely out of this world talent. You know, just always makes you a little bit hairy about giving him a shit ton of money. And no, I, I don't blame I don't blame Houston for maybe we'll put you on the tag one more year. Just keep tagging him because I think a one year rental, which David Clowney is like the perfect situation. Uh, oh, and Grady yeah. Jarrett, they'll, they'll have to pay him eventually because uh, you don't let people like him away. They're taking uh, Kansas City are taking a similar approach to D Ford of they're tagging him to use him this year because he's had injury concerns before. He's had two excellent seasons and two seasons where he was super duper injured. So if we tag him this year and if he plays well, we'll probably realistically because he's a little bit older, just tag him again, pay the bonus for that second tag, and then just let him go. Yeah, uh, I think, but like like D Ford, that's just more. Scheme fit, injury profile, whereas to Damien Clowney, I think there's still a question of... Actual attitude, yeah. yeah. Next up, trades. Denver have traded their 2019 fourth-round pick for QB Joe Flacco from Baltimore. Is this the man to make it make it another championship land in, uh, in mile high? John Elway must sacrifice a quarterback every year, and Joe Flacco is this year's, this year's choice. Like, look, I, I, I've got to be honest. Like, Joe Flacco, at the start of the season just gone by, the 2018 season, he actually looked okay. He didn't look terrible. Then he got injured, and then obviously he was replaced by Lamar Jackson. His play in 2017 and 2016, really, very, very, when he was injured, it was really, really bad. Like, he was actually just bad. I think he had a bit of a resurgence early on 2018, but then got injured, which is a bad sign. So I think, like, if you're talking about a franchise which is looking to build for the long term, Denver, I think, continues to labor under the illusion that it's still in its Super Bowl window. I think, you know, the slow erosion of that defense... Like, look at their secondary, for example. They'll probably lose Bradley Roby this offseason, so there's really no one left in that secondary at this point. Uh, their defensive line is still nice. Von Miller's still nice, but, like, still. I think it's just a situation where they're just a team that seems to want to dream of continuing to make the playoffs into their championship contender. But with choices like this, their most likely outcome is they're going to finish between seven... Uh, they're going to finish in seven and eight wins. I think Joe Flacco is fine. I think he's probably a bit better than Case Keenum but I don't know if he'll last a whole season. And I certainly don't think he's someone who's good enough to elevate the very minimal talent left in that offense. Like it's really Emmanuel Sanders and Philip Lindsay. And that's really it um, to a situation where you have a championship level offense. And as I said, the defense isn't good enough to carry them anymore. Yeah, no, it's not. A couple of extensions. We'll just fly through these. We won't go through too many in detail. Philadelphia extend Brandon Graham, three years, 40 million, and Jason Kelsey, three years, 33 million. Tampa Bay, Donovan Smith, three years, 41.25 million. Indianapolis get their guard, Glowinski, for three years. Uh, Cleveland get their tackle, Robinson, for one year, for 9 million. Atlanta take a tackle, Sambarello, three years, 18 million. Baltimore have Tavon Young, three years, and Jacksonville. Kicker Josh Lambeau, four years, 15.5 million. Again, the theme here is pass rushers getting paid and offensive linemen getting paid. Uh, And then again, we just have random team decides to pay a kicker. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, the, like, yeah, like, and, and the history of Ken is is so poor. Like, Cody Parkey just got paid, and, and then he had that situation. Boswell, similar situation. So, yeah, like, Brandon Graham, he's a pass rusher. He got paid three years, 40 million. He's one of these pass rushers who doesn't get great sack rate, but is beloved by the analytics guys, PFF, etc., as getting good pressure rate. Um, for what that's worth. And Jason Kelsey got a one-year extension. Um, basically, had two years left, got another year extension. I, th- I think it was moving around a bit of money yeah. as well. Solid, free of solid offensive linemen. And then you look at all these other offensive linemen, Glowinski, Robinson, Sabrello, and then Donovan Smith, who isn't really that highly rated, gets a fairly substantial contract, like three years, 41 million, with 27 million guaranteed. But that just gives you an indication that like, when we look at the offensive line market, which we'll look at briefly, you can find guards, you can find centers, but finding an offensive tackle, that's really, really hard still. 100%. And then the Tavon Young contract, it's just worth pointing out simply because that will probably set the market uh, for the slot corners out there. Um, so they're probably all be looking for 9 to 10 million um, based on that contract. It's just, if you're interested, if you're, if you're into the slot corner market, then that's a really important uh, extension there. <laughs> the good one, actually, for, for for myself as a Chiefs fan, given that we'll be looking, I think we've got another year of Fuller, or two years of Fuller's rookie deal, and then we'll be looking to re-up him at uh, slot position, almost certainly. Other signings, uh, Arizona signed quarterback Robert Alford to a three-year, 22.5 million deal after he was cut by Atlanta. They picked him up on waivers, I believe. Tight end Charles Clay, who... I'll be honest, I didn't even realise he was still in the league. He got a one-year <laughs> 3.25 million deal after he was cut by Buffalo. I believe last year he was receiving something like 8.5 million for his because he yeah. just signed a big four-year deal. And, and, uh, they activated him for the last half of the season, basically. Yeah, and there's also uh, defensive end Reed Brooks got signed for one year after Atlanta cut him. I think these, they're not, none of these are noteworthy except to say that Arizona is certainly gleaning as much as they can get from the bottom of the barrel. It's sifting, it's sifting. There's not a lot of talent in Arizona right now and they're, they're, we'll just shove everything in there and see what comes out. No, of course. Now, so we've got a couple of interesting cuts. Some of these will be chatted about later, so we'll just mention. Baltimore safety Eric Weddle is being cut. He said he'd retire if he was cut, uh, but he has also said he's looking forward to playing next year. Yeah. So, <laughs> so expect him to win a Super Bowl with New England, basically. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Houston quarterback Kevin Johnson has been caught. He was a disappointing former first rounder. Uh, I saw the uh, I saw the comments online when this came out. I think it was uh, Rap Sheet said like, "Oh, uh, another talented cornerback, or sorry, another talented cornerback at the defensive position enters the market," and people said talented in inverted commas is a cornerback in inverted commas Look, player Ian, in inverted commas Ian, Ian has to keep the agent sweet if he wants his no, uh, he, he wants to get the uh, be able to break this news mm. Uh, (laughs) safety Glover Quinn he's been cut as well he was a pro bowler in 2016 but he does not seem to fit Patricia's system Carolina's cornerback Captain Munlin safety Mike Adams have been cut again I mentioned at the top Carolina's defensive backfield was awful last year so these changes are probably to be expected Uh, I think by PFS ratings no one in their defensive backfield ranked in the top 100 not a single person which is worrying (laughs) does that include the AFF teams? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Pierre Garçon has been cut in San Francisco, presumably the end of the road for that wide receiver. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about most of those guys in the free agency preview. Uh, the Eric Weddle one is probably a surprise, but I think yeah. it frees up something like seven million for Baltimore, who are quite cap strapped. I think. Yeah, like these are kind of notable names or names you might have heard of, but who aren't actually probably that worth valuable as free agents. And I think the two, like three safeties, are here, two cornerbacks. Like the secondary market right now is a bit soft. Like I don't think that like the cornerbacks like I think they're both well past being considered good cornerback prospects. I think like Weddle, yeah, I think it's a, it was a bit of a surprise because he's been such a good leader and was a really great free agent pickup for Baltimore. But I think obviously they now have their new rookie quarterback. Perhaps they want to create a youth movement there and create a new kind of offensive core. Uh, around there like obviously like i think one of the interesting moves might be like terrell Suggs. did they bring him back or not and i think it could be very different on that defense in baltimore but i think with the with the talent evaluation they've typically had although they don't have ozzy newsman anymore i'm sure they're confident they can build a new set of uh, baltimore legends going forward 
No, of course. Uh, an interesting combo in the retirements category as well. So old man defensive end Julius Peppers has decided to retire after 17 seasons. But what's that? God damn it, it's Jason Witten's music. He is leaving <laughs> Monday Night Football and unretiring to rejoin the Dallas Cowboys, who are going to pay him like, was it three and a half million dollars play <laughs> under contract for and literally contracted for less snaps per game. Like this is, this is the, I heard a couple of people saying like there was talk, especially when like Des Bryant left about people being like Garrett's guys and being part of the Dallas family thing. And this is a feel of someone needs to get him out of the booth before people start to really question the CTE stuff. Let's get him back on the field for a year, and then let's just transition him into a coaching position. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think the generous interpretation is that this is, there's a bit of chicanery going on here. So three point five million is quite a lot to pay for chicanery, if I'm perfectly frank. And there's a lot of rules around not kind of paying people to be coaches and stuff. So I, it's, it's it's incredibly weird. I think we'll probably see how much of a real move this was when the cuts come up at the end of the season. But hey, look, like. I think we're all happier for the times he stayed up on Monday that we won't have to deal with Jason Witt anymore. Uh, hopefully, they, hopefully they get someone cool like Jay Cutler to take over. That'd be way <laughs> better. Uh, like, but yeah. So, Jay, what do you think of that play? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love, to, I'd love for John Gruden to get fired and then him and Jay Cutler together. That would be the perfect oh, combination. Yeah. Just energy and yeah. the void. Uh, um, and, uh, like, you know, just shout out to Julius Peppers, obviously. 17 years as a defensive end is ridiculous. Productive yeah. right up to the end as well. Um, and obviously a legend in Carolina and then and obviously other places he was productive as well. And, uh, you know, fair folks, Julius, uh, enjoy retirement. Indeed, indeed. Other bits, uh, former Indianapolis Colts punter Pat McAfee has joined the WWE. I believe he's joining their Monday Night Raw program, which then flies in the face of he was then tweeting saying, hey, I hear you've got an opening on Monday Night Football commentating now, uh, <laughs> which wouldn't work. And uh, uh, in, uh, this definitely goes into the more bizarre stories that we've heard. So apparently the former Chicago Bears cornerback <laughs> Charles Peter Tillman has completed his FBI training and is now an agent. Yeah, it's 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 uh you know Narc. like usually we just talk about uh, retired people, but here's people coming on and making the next step in their life. I don't know about coming a narc. It, it doesn't. It wouldn't be my uh, first choice, but uh, like to be fair, I probably would be afraid if he ended up bursting through your door. Uh, pretty, he's probably pretty intimidating. Uh, I'd say if, so. If he's coming you as a law enforcement, looks good in a suit as well. Yeah, well, quick wrap up a few bits that happened since, because uh, I know this news is running long. NFL Awards MVP and Offensive Player of the Year was given to Kansas City quarterback Pat Mahomes. Oh, yeah, start of a dynasty. Hopefully, not just a one year flash in the pan. Divas Player of the Year was Aaron Donald. Offensive rookie was Saquon Barkley. Defensive rookie was Darius Leonard. Coach of the Year was Matt Nagy. And comeback player was Andrew Luck. And in the Hall of Fame, we have Champ Bailey, Pat Bolin. Gil Brandt, Tony Gonzalez, Ty Law, Kevin Maui, uh, Ed Reed, and Johnny Robinson. Where's Don Coriel? There is Harry. Don Coriel. So... That'll be on Harry's side pod. Steve. Don <laughs> Coriel, oh, where fort art thou? Yeah, it was uh, nothing too surprising here. Obviously, Pat Mahomes, we'll be talking about some of the players Kansas City are losing, but obviously they have Pat Mahomes, so who cares? And the rest <laughs> of these are pretty much as expected. And uh, yeah, I think Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed are very worthy first ballot Hall of Famers. And 100%, I don't yeah. think anyone can take away that they are two legends of the of the game who changed their positions uh, forever. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll quickly fly through the coaching changes. So new head coaches and staff. Miami have hired New England defensive coordinator Brian Flores, and he's officially the head coach now. Chad O'Shea is the OC, which I believe is like a frat bro, frat bro <laughs> Irish guy. Patrick Graham has joined them as defensive coordinator. Uh, Ray, Reggie McKenzie is senior personnel executive. Yeah, like... Uh, like the only notable thing about those coaching names is they're so generic like they're generated by Madden it, it is it does sound like you're in year 12 of a Madden simulation like Brian Flores is trying to be like the ultimate New England team where it's like it's so boring nothing comes out and even these names are probably just fake like they're all in witness protection or something 100% probably for they, Bill Belichick they, they often use Florida for witness protection don't they yeah yeah <laughs> all the all the people Bill Belichick has sent on uh, his less uh, ethical uh, tasks end up in uh, Miami at this point. 
Very much so. Uh, Cincinnati have finally got their coaching collection together. So LA Rams quarterbacks coach uh, Zach Taylor, who a year ago was the assistant wide receiver coach in there, is their head coach. And Brian Callahan is their offensive coordinator. And Lou Anarumo is the defensive coordinator. So I believe he was like their 28th choice for DC. I think it started out with like Jack Del Rio and then it kind of went lower and lower. Then they got denied multiple interviews and it was uh, it was very Cincinnati. It was a very like I, I don't I don't wish to disparage Zach Taylor, but uh, that organization does not inspire hope of uh, a resurgence for the Bengals. No, not in uh, the slightest. You've got a you've got a group there where you've got ownership who everyone thinks are cheap and shit. You've got an inexperienced head coach like you've got like also a very untalented roster there's a lot to not like but we'll yeah. get we'll get, we'll get the fruit we have a whole preview <laughs> yeah we will, we will. coordinator moves dallas have promoted quarterbacks coach kellen moore to offensive coordinator i had forgotten all about kellen moore for a while and washington promoted pass game coordinator kevin o'connell to offensive coordinator and rob ryan has been hired as a linebackers coach that's an exciting move yeah, like I'm sure Kevin O'Connell is already telling us that Colt McCoy is uh, the best the best quarterback out there right now. Yeah, uh, another fun hire is, why would you do this to yourself? Uh, Atlanta hired Kansas City's old defensive coordinator, Bob Sutton, as their uh, senior senior defensive assistant, I believe is the term. Um <laughs> He gets like a senior discount. I don't know. Oh, like, so I, I said, like, Jesus, good luck to you. And someone said, oh, it's fine. He's just a senior assistant. He's only there to help old people find their seats. And that's yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Although there is a strategy that someone said of hire Bob Sutton, get his play calls, and then do the opposite. <laughs> could work. Houston uh, has hired Brian Cushing as their strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. By week seven, they won't have a player who's allowed on the pitch because of beds. Like, <laughs> yeah, Wes Welker stumbled into San Francisco and they gave him a job as wide receiver coach. Why not? Sure, he why still not? doesn't know. He didn't know where he was, and they're like, "Well, <laughs> this is our this is our outreach program." And also, you know, if Jason Witten's getting rehired, so they can cover up. <laughs> the effect of concussion. Then yeah, they might, I well think might as well hire cover up Wes Welker too. But yeah, so that'll that's that, that's all of the news that we've got. I know it's a long news section, so we're gonna, we're gonna have to skip questions this week because of that, and we're gonna move straight on into our free agency preview. Looking at this this free agency pool, we see quite a lot of defensive players in here. There's also a very heavy defensive draft, which is probably going to allow you to get a couple of these guys at a lot of a better value than you would otherwise. There's a couple of surprising ones to have made it out that, like, you know, in another season, you'd be very surprised to see some of these players making it to the to the market. So what we'll probably do is we will go kind of position by position mention maybe the couple of teams who are interested and like go through a few of the top guys at those spots so i'll start at the main one quarterback so there's not as many teams this year looking for quarterbacks as there are other years yeah. which is think, um, interesting really only three who need a quarterback and one of them would argue that they don't and it's jacksonville it's miami and it's the mazungus and then there's like people like the giants who probably should get a quarterback Tampa Bay, and they're like a team where they're obviously questionable, and obviously there's teams like New England, whatever, who might need a successor plan. But I think those three are the only ones who really need one uh, straight away. No, of course, uh, a couple of names who are at this position: we have Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown, and then you've also got like RG three, Geno Smith, Kaepernick, I suppose, Sam Bradford. Yeah. But, um, Tannehill will be there when he's officially cut. He hasn't been officially cut yet, yes, but, but he, he will likely be in there. He's being cut. Uh, Nick Foles is obviously the top of this list. He won the 2017 Super Bowl MVP. Uh, there's question marks about he's He's had great runs, but he's also had sections where he's not looked very good. I think, though, from everything we're hearing, it's kind of a done deal he's going to the Jags. Yeah, it sounds like the Jags have decided that they want to get this whole quarterback thing out of the way first. And it kind of makes sense, their team, which obviously... Uh, they have some cap problems, and I don't know how good their if their defense will be as good as it was two years ago. But they certainly have enough talent and pieces there to be a contender. And then really, it's a run first offense with Leonard Fournette, regardless. So obviously, Nick Foles, you're kind of you're kind of you have to install kind of a custom Nick Foles RPO heavy play action heavy offense. 
But we know that if you can get him into the zone, he's incredibly, incredibly effective in that. I suppose the only question then is, you know, is, are the decision makers who are choosing to bring in folds, are they on the same page as the coaching staff in the sense of building an offense along those lines? Or are they going to try and build too conservative an offense where they try to run, like, you know, run, run, pass type of offense, which I don't think Nick Foles would be good at because I think in obvious third down situations, I'm not sure that's exactly where you want to be. You want to be play, play action. You want to do the RPO stuff. So I don't think it's a bad choice for the Jags. I think the way that their roster is set up, it makes sense for them to go now rather than waiting for like a drafting someone and moving there. And the, the competition for draft places probably means they wouldn't get yeah. someone worthwhile anyway. So I think it's, it's a fine move for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Will Nick Foles be there in like three years? Probably no. not. But for a team like the Jags, that's fine. Yeah, like what you're looking at when the rest of the ones that are there, Teddy Bridgewater, I've never fully gotten the hype about Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I thought he was a mediocre to poor starter when he was in the league. He's had his legs broken off, essentially. He's played, I think, was it like two halves of uh, preseason and a bit of a Week 17 game, and he didn't look phenomenal in those either. He's the musical chairs quarterback maybe this year in the sense that whatever team doesn't have a quarterback and can't re-sign Tannehill. I'm saying Miami will end up with Teddy Bridgewater basically because the Mazingus, I think, actually genuinely believe Colt McCoy is a starting quarterback. Maybe. Um, The other one to add to this is like Tyrod is, you know, he got benched in Cleveland. Uh, He wasn't playing well, but he's a backup or a bridge. Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll give you, you know, about five very good games and five awful awful games and then a couple in the middle somewhere and Josh McCown is a backup maybe a mentor to a young QB the other one that's now entering this mix as we mentioned it in the news earlier is that there are rumors abound that Arizona are looking to trade Josh Rosen and move on from him early on and look for them to take the the, 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 the young quarterback, Kyler Murray, at the top of the first round. Yeah. Now, there's discussions whether this could be smoke and mirrors to try and get someone to trade them for the pick. But the problem is the second you trade them the pick, like if you engage in that negotiation whatsoever, you're letting that out of the bag. That's not what you're going to do. Yeah. So yeah. where do you think, if that was the case, Kyler, uh, the, the, the Josh Rosen would land? Because I could see the Patriots going for that as a, succession plan because bear in mind 50% of his already cheap rookie deal has been paid up front by the Arizona Cardinals yeah. so he costs I think just under 2 million against the cap for the next 3 years New uh, England Washington because they are tied to the cap and they currently have you know a highly paid quarterback who has one leg that works at the moment I didn't really want it. like uh, like we could have dignified these rumours with uh, actual speculation I I, I'm not that convinced yet. I would see, like, I, I think we're too far out to really take it seriously. If he is available, though, if they are open to trade, yeah, I think lots of teams will be interested. And I think they will range from smart teams like New England, who are like, well, it's so cheap. It's it's just good value. It's a classic Belichick move. Two more desperate teams like uh, the Mazungus, like the Giants, who, like, I think, like, I don't know, like the fans, obviously, I don't know how the fans feel about Eli, but... The rest of the world doesn't feel like he likes a starting quarterback anymore. It would be a smart move on their part. It's yeah. a smarter replacement genius. But like, I think he would certainly be valued. And I think a lot of people, like there's been rumors that like you get him for a third. I don't think that's true. But you could probably get him for like a low first, a high second. Uh, and that would bring in these teams like New England, uh, teams like New Orleans, teams like uh, the Chargers, all teams with old quarterbacks. There's a few of them around. And uh, it would be very, very interesting. But I think when that happens, I'll believe it when it happens. I don't think it's going to happen. No, of course. Uh, next up, we have running backs, uh, fullbacks. This is a spot where, like, Tampa Bay Giants, Colts, Kansas City, to an extent, Philadelphia will be looking. What I'm just going to do is give you a lump of the names and, like, you give me something about one of them who, who jumps out of you. So, a couple of the top names who are f- available at this position. Le'Veon Bell, who was elite in Pittsburgh, didn't play last year and will cost a lot. Jay Ajayi, who has question marks about his health. Mark Ingram, who is solid but never elite. Could he just be part of a backing crew? Tevin Coleman, again, like... Uh, CJ Anderson could has has had good times, but has got pushed out of his job. Adrian Peterson is there; he's he's productive, but old. TJ Yeldon, fuck knows, he has like two good games a season, but he's never been really given a chance to play. Latavius Murray was a bowling ball, but got concussed a lot. Like, I, also, I'm taking Anthony Sherman off this list because there's no way he's getting out of Kansas City. <laughs> like, I felt it was important to include the fullbacks, and then 
I, I would I, I I I like I think Mike Burton is actually rated higher if you're looking for a fullback, but I I felt remiss not to include. I'm uh, sorry, Anthony Sherman, the robbed of his MVP of the Pro <laughs> Bowl, Anthony Sherman. Yeah, I, I think I think it's fair to say that this running back class is Le'Veon Bell and the rest. I think yeah. Le'Veon Bell, obviously given his numbers and production in Pittsburgh, can be a genuine tree down back who can get um you know. A thousand, yeah. Like if he had a really good season, a thousand, a thousand wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. And I think there's teams out there with young quarterbacks that want to have someone that they can lean on there. Though I don't know necessarily be a great influence. Um, but then the running backs, I don't think they they talk to the quarterbacks too much. We we'll just keep them away. But I think the big thing for Lev Bell. Obviously, there's major questions over his motivation, major yeah. questions that he might have put on some weight during the offseason, uh, and major questions about his kind of uh, his, his nature in a locker room. But I think, and I think it's, it's a situation where like Pittsburgh have always had good offensive lines. And I think his style of running when he was at his most successful was kind of like maximizing the ability to make take advantage of a of a of a good offensive line. He could see the holes, he took advantage of them, he basically uh, became associated with the whole idea of like pushing your offensive lineman in the back and moving through the crease. And if you have a good offensive lineman, uh, lineman, and you think and you have good intel that you believe he's actually motivated, then he could be, you know, your starting running back no, for three, four, five years. Like and there was, the re- there was rumors about that he was up to about two hundred and sixty pounds, kind of running a uh, an Eddie Lacy style year off. But um, we'll see. He's- if you have a lot of cap. And you have a young quarterback. I think it makes sense. To yeah, he, land, he, he lands at the Jets, barring a big upset, right? And the re- yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that's probably my favorite for. It. But there are other teams. I think the rest of these guys, they're all probably guys you want to put into a rotation. And I think they have the chance of maybe emerging as your as your bell cow as your first pick. But I don't think any of them you would put money on it. Like GHI to his injury, Mark Ingram just due to his limited passing work, and Tevin Coleman and CJ Anderson just due to the fact they've been kind of. You know, yeah. and, again, and again, like we said, like we've seen over the last couple of years, a big devaluation in the running back position because so many people are are getting production out of third and fourth round guys out of college, yeah. basically use them for four years, run them into the ground, and replace them. So it's 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 tougher and tougher for running backs in this free agency class. So we'll see how they go outside of Lev, uh, wide receiver and tight end. So we've got a couple of teams who look at this: Baltimore, Carolina, Miami, Denver, Arizona, for example. Uh, the big one is obviously the trade block one, which is Antonio Brown, like top end top end wide receiver who has gone a little bit off the deep end he's decided that he's no longer called AB he's now called Mr. Big Chest he wants to go to get a load of guaranteed money and to go to a contender and that's those two things are not happening at the same time we'll put it that way Uh, Um, (laughs) and most of the contenders aren't giving up a big draft pick for him like this is going to trade to a contender in the AFC (laughs) <laughs> possibly they've said if the deal was right they would well, yeah. um, but we'll see um, actually interesting while we're recording this there is rumours abound at the moment that there is a big trade about to be announced in Cleveland because a couple of players have said there's something about to happen other players you'd look at would be Golden Tate who good production in Detroit didn't really do that much in Philly whenever he got there to be honest uh, he's a bit older so it'll probably be a short contract John Brown decent like WR2 or 3 maybe Jameson Crowder who I don't really rate that much Jared Cook good player but a bit old at this point <laughs> like yeah there's not a there's not a lot out there in yeah, no, this the is, wide receiver this is this is probably as as light as it gets yeah like there's other names like Tyrell Williams Adam Humphreys Randall Cobb Michael Crabtree and then like the next best tight end is someone like uh, ASJ or Dwayne Allen like yeah, there's not much depth here, so it's no wonder that Antonio Brown, despite all of his nonsense and his stupid mustache, um, is managing to get interest despite all the things that he's doing. As I, I think, as you mentioned, like the teams are being linked with him, like Denver, Arizona, the Mazungus, Tennessee, and persistently Oakland, um, gives you an indication of. His dreams of being on a good team are probably not going to be bad. Oh God, but, no! Hey. If, he, if he wants paid, he has to go to there. Yeah. Oakland have the space and they could use it. Uh, there's there's a lot of stories that basically that Gruden wants Brown, possibly Bell as well, if he gets uh-huh. hands on him, and to draft uh, 
Kyler Murray. Uh, I don't believe anything like Kyler Murray. Right? He's just like the perfect rumor machine. Uh, right oh, hundred percent. Uh, but the re- the rest of these guys, like obviously none of them are really WR ones, but they are good role players, and I think they could certainly be productive. I think Golden Tate, like John Brown, Tyrell Williams, Adam Humphreys, they're all they all have their role to play, and I think a good team will know how to use them. Um, and I don't think I don't think any of them will get super overpaid. So I don't think you'll end up like regretting it too much. I think compared to last year where we had a couple of kind of like um, potential franchise names like uh, Sammy Watkins, Alan Robinson, all of these guys are kind of, you could probably get them on the cheap. Oh, sure, especially Bradley Cooks as well and yeah. stuff like that. Like, yeah, there's loads of people yeah. knocking around then, just not this year. Interestingly, on the Antonio Brown trade, so he said that he wants a new deal, but whether or not he might play for a year or so on his current one, because there's... The fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers have already eaten a lump of that contract, that they might trade, if they could get a player-for-player trade where that other team has eaten a lump of contract, that might be able to work. Because it's very hard to see how anyone is going to want to give them draft capital to then pay Antonio Brown a shitload of money. Like Those two things happening simultaneously are going to be difficult outside of a desperate team who needs a get-quick fix. Well, I think there's enough of those out there that it'll have. It'll ha- like it, I think they right now this Friday the eighth is when Pittsburgh are saying now nah, they find someone they're going to trade him at that point. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be done before free agency opens, and at that point, if you haven't got if your wide receiver room is crap and you didn't get Antonio Brown, then your wide receiver room is probably continue to be crap. Antonio Brown for uh, Eric Berry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, stop wishcasting. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, that's not even wishcasting. I don't think I, I don't think I'd want the Antonio Brown drop. Like, if his issue in Pittsburgh is, oh, I don't get fed the ball enough. Like, when you've got Tyreek and Watkins and Kelsey and running game, like, yeah, he's not going to get his targets there either. Uh, next on to offensive line, uh, Arizona, Buffalo, Houston, Minnesota, New York Jets. The main candidates looking for these. Not a good batch here. Trent Brown, Juwan James, Darrell Williams, Matt Paradis, Roger Saffold. Uh, Mitch Morse is good, but injury prone. John Sullivan, Ramon Foster. Yeah, like these are, those guys here are going to get paid because we mentioned it's very thin at this position. But I wouldn't want to be giving a lot of money to any of these guys. Yeah, I think they're all, they're all very questionable. I think there is value, like as I said, in the interior positions, you can pick up a decent guard, like a patch guard for a year or two. On a decent contract, I think Matt Paradis, for example, wouldn't be too bad. Uh, but I think it's these tackles that you really have to question. Trent Brown, obviously Super Bowl winner, he's going to get overpaid because he's a tackle. But there's been a lot of questions about his like film work. I know he's actually just a ridiculous human being in terms of his physical dimensions and relative athleticism. But uh, yeah, you have to worry there. Like in New England, they're just so disciplined, you can get away with that. But you know, when you're getting overpaid by Miami, or whatever, it doesn't really make sense. Joan James has always just been solid. And Darrell Williams is probably the most intriguing one because he was very good, but is coming off a major injury in 2018. Yeah, he probably will get overpaid. Games, I think, yeah. um, but I think when we look at the Donovan Smith contract, uh, we just know these tackles are going to get paid a lot of money. And we saw with Nate Solder last year that, you know, I, I don't think usually it's worth it. But hey, if you got to protect your quarterback, you got to protect your quarterback. No, of course. And speaking of protecting your quarterback, who you're protecting them against is the edge rushers. Oakland, Miami, Carolina, Cincinnati, Detroit, all looking for these. God, poor Oakland. It's really hard to find a rusher these days. If only they could pick one up in the draft. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of talent around here, but there's some question marks over some of them. Uh, The top three are very strong in this particularly. So we've got uh, defensive end Trey Flowers, young all-round pass rusher, like... A lot of interest probably coming from the Lions, maybe from Miami, lots of places like that that would be intrigued by this coming from a similar system. Uh, number two would be T Ford, very good pass rusher last year, concerns about his durability because he's had some injuries, but when he's been healthy for seasons, he's he's produced quite well. Uh, they reckon his best fit is a 3-4, and like we said earlier, the issue might be a change of scheme in Kansas City. So he's not a free agent, but they've said that even though they've tagged him, they're going to put him out as a trade option. And offensive linebacker Justin Houston from the Kansas City Chiefs is also available. Again, great all-round pass rusher, really strong in the run game as well. He's 30, and he had some injury concerns. He's played the last two seasons pretty well. Um, his contract the issue- is expensive. Yeah, like the thing is... He's, you can get out of it, but it's expensive if you actually want to keep him. Yeah, so the, 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 the issue with him is that essentially... Now, I think the Chiefs eat a bit of it, but if you were to 
trade for him, you'll have to give him, I think it's like 14 million this year and maybe 15 million next year, which if you can get the production and he is still producing very well at this point, uh, especially given he, he put up his numbers that he has in the last years while being dropped into coverage, something like 35 to 40% of the time, which is not what he's meant to be doing. Like, so it's very interesting that Chiefs have both of their outside linebackers on the trading block at the moment. Now, the question mark is, with Houston is, if he's not traded for, he will likely just be cut. And he's mentioned that he would be interested in another deal. Now, he'll play under his current deal, but he'd look at more guaranteed money. So you could quite easily give him a little bit more guaranteed money spread over three years or something along those lines, and he would be interested in that. But we'll, uh, we'd have to see. There's Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith as well, who are kind of potential. And then you've got... like. People who like I, I I I sometimes find it hard to gauge how good the likes of Cam Wake is because he has been good but he's also been bad and he's a bit patchy. Uh, Dante Fowler Jr. is out there who I think is going to benefit massively from the fact that he came on strong in that playoff run but yeah. has been spotty for the first what four years of his career. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting one yeah. because some good people there but some only by trade not by. Yeah. Like I think there's there's some there's some like decent like patch people like Arakpo, Derek Morgan. They've all they've been pretty solid over their careers. Olivier Vernon's available by trade apparently according to rumors. Preston Smith is just solid. Zedaria Smith's kind of the weird one here in the five sacks in a part time role. That's obviously the kind of production that's going to intrigue someone to overpay him likely. That's untapped potential. Whereas the rest of these guys are guys who are either kind of old. Or coming off their rookie like deals where they underperformed their like first round pedigree, Dante Fowler, Ziggy Ansa, these kind of guys. But like you know, someone will take a, a like someone's going to pick Putnam, probably give them a decent at least one year deal. Um, so it's not the worst year to be picking up someone if you're just looking for like your second pass rusher. Uh, but if you're looking for your like someone you can rely on, I think Trey Flowers is really the only one that you can can you you could really go. That guy will perform, and he's not really a pure pass rusher. He's more of an inside or outside in defensive lineman to be honest and that has lots of value like Michael Bennett people like that but uh, yeah it's it's yeah like if you want to get the Von Miller sacks um you won't get those but those guys get tagged or get paid so that's basically what you have in free agency every year no of course of course uh interior defensive line a lot of people looking for this Minnesota Miami Oakland Cleveland New York Giants there's some very good uh names on this now whether you want to believe in the name or not is a question. So you got Sheldon Richardson, Dominican Sue, Terrell Suggs, Marcus Hunt, Timmy Jernigan. Then you've got like Anderson Brown, Mo Wilkerson, Corey Lejet, and Jonathan Hankins. Yeah. Uh, like, a bit of a trend here of there's a lot of maybe slightly older or question marks over whether or not you can give them any length of a contract kind of guys exactly uh, like this is that like that's why i like i uh, this isn't really a an action place for me because all of these guys unless there's a team desperate and with the cba coming up that's also making people more reticent to give long-term contracts regardless i just think these are none of these guys you want to pay more than two years like sheldon richardson sue terrell Suggs is obviously very old um, even someone like Timmy Jernigan who's coming off a major injury like and, and Mo Wilkerson's in the, the in the kind of after runs like these are all guys who have to be motivated to really produce and you don't want to like mortgage your your, your franchise going forward I just think these are the kind of guys that in the current CBA with the way rookie contracts are no one's going to want to pay and I think you can get a if you have the cap room you can certainly make like these guys could produce for you. Sheldon Richardson was pretty good last year. Sue came on towards the end. Terrell Suggs is still solid in a three-four uh, defensive end position. Timmy Jernigan was actually pretty good in twenty seventeen. And then you have kind of your solid run stopper guys like John Hankins. Oh, of course. Yeah, they're all good rentals, but no yeah, long-term. Yeah, one of the big pluses you'd have in here is like I said, a lot of these are quite experienced, like the likes of your Terrell Suggs and everything. This yeah. is a very defensive line heavy draft. Yeah. If you are to pick up one or two of those guys, bring in a, a Suggs or something like that as a rotational player to teach them up, to give them an idea of what it's like to be a professional, you could get a nice bit of value out of that above and beyond the playing performance that you're necessarily getting. I think the the only weird one here was Marcus Hunt, who had kind of a breakout year in Indianapolis, but I think he'd need to prove it probably another year before he'll get a a major contract. No, of course. Uh, We're going to move move into the defensive backfield here. So we have coverage linebackers and box safeties. Uh, So we've got Landon Collins, who is pretty much like an elite box safety, 
coming off an excellent year in 2017. Uh, for some reason, the Giants have decided they want to pay Eli Manning 23 million, but not keep him in the building for about 10. God knows what that is. <laughs> like, but the linebacker CJ Mosley is here again. Elite run stopper cannot can be caught out a little bit in coverage and expect to get a major payday. Then you've got your likes of Anthony Barr, four-time Pro Bowler, like Jordan Hicks, elite inside linebacker, like KJ Roy, Quan Alexander. Yeah, there's just there's loads and there's, loads yeah. and loads here. <laughs> like there's infinite value here, uh, and then Weddle, like you know, we mentioned Weddle, and he doesn't even make the list because I think like Weddle, like they're, because of his age, you'd wonder yeah, how much. Yeah, you wonder, yeah, whether yeah. I like I think Landon Collins, he had a really poor year, and I think like the Giants fans on like Reddit elsewhere would argue he only had really one good year. It was a really really good year, but. That maybe they don't want to go there, but as I said, the Giants are a bit of a mess. And CJ Mosley, I think the experts, PFF, etc., would argue that his uh, his name or reputation exceeds his actual value, particularly in coverage. And I think that's kind of the same for Anthony Barr as well. Uh, I think I think I think Anthony Barr probably lost. I think maybe the guts of maybe ten million just due to that LA Rams game alone, <laughs> mm, yeah. where he got absolutely destroyed in coverage. And I think people like all these Pro Bowls and being twenty six and stuff like that. I think that might have destroyed like uh, like taking like a good quarter of the contract he might end up getting. I think Jordan Hicks is probably the underrated one. Like he's a four three inside linebacker, and those guys they generally get paid, but he's just kind of been underneath the hood, underneath the radar a little bit. Primarily, I suppose, because the Philadelphia Eagles defense that was so good in 2017 had so many people, someone's going to get ignored. And then you have KJ Wright, who's a very intriguing prospect. Quan Alexander, very intriguing. And then you have a couple of other strong safeties like Adrian Amos and Adrian Phillips, who are kind of interesting types of players. And if you want it, and like every year, if you want a solid like inside linebacker, outside linebacker um, who aren't pass rushers, there's always options. Um, no, Lorenzo Alexander, Dental Perriman, these guys, they're always out there and you can get them on good deals. And yeah. we saw that if you do your homework right, you can get actually really good value for those guys. Um, like um, Demario Davis, who New Orleans picked up last year, ended up being a really good pickup for them. And I think there's definitely value here. Just people don't value this position. So if you have cap space, um, you, or if, you, if you're short in cap space, this is an area we could upgrade for relatively cheap. No, of course. And then we come to probably the deepest section, the entire lot of it. Uh, coverage safety and cornerback. Uh, again, similar to last lot, Kansas City, San Francisco, Oakland, Ra- I don't know, Rams maybe, Tampa Bay. A lot of them looking uh, at this. So probably top of the list is uh, Earl Thomas. Elite, single high safety, very good speed and instincts. Coming off two injuries, though, question marks about, like, I understand it because of the whole contract negotiation, but he probably didn't help himself with the whole giving the entire Seahawks team the fingers. He was carted off, and well, all, that just all means that he's motivated. Stuff. Like I think, like like I'm going to talk about Earl Thomas a, a little bit at length. I know we're running a little bit over, but uh, I think he, yeah, he's coming off the two injuries. But when he came back last year, he still looked like Earl Thomas. He was still really good. I think he got three picks um, in his like four or five games. He he basically. Had, nearly as many picks as the rest of the secondary put together. And yes, he's 30, but we know that he has great instincts. It's not just that he was really fast. It was that he understood the game really well. And I think this is someone like Richard Sherman last year who's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder. And the chip on his shoulder was pretty fucking big to begin with for a first-round pick. Um, So if you're a team who's running a Seahawks-like scheme, who likes playing single high safety, like getting someone like Earl Thomas... You'll probably have to pay him a fair amount, but getting someone like Earl Thomas is a really unique opportunity. Guys like this, when they aren't in like their late, like late mid thirties, is really rare. And I think he could easily look just well, nearly as good or as good as he looked in Seattle at his peak um, uh, for the right team. So looking, you're looking at teams like I think Dallas. He might be out of their range, but look at teams like San Francisco. Look at teams like uh, maybe Atlanta. Uh, look at team, but maybe it'll be another team completely whatsoever. I think he's someone who there could be a bidding war for him, but uh, I trust that Earl Thomas is going to come out of this um, still being a pain in the arse. Hopefully not for San Francisco. That'd be really annoying. Yeah. Um, like the, the the only thing that was, like, the thing is he is he is an elite elite level. Which like I said, there's a couple of players like him who are not ones that you normally see coming out at this stage in their careers availability. But this is a very, very deep position. So I'm just going to run through a lump of names because I think we've, I think we've got about 15 listed here for this position. So we've got like Ronald Darby coming off an injury, but excellent play beforehand. Steven Nelson, 
pretty good young quarterback. Tyrrell Matthew, LaMarcus Joyner, Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, Bladley Roby, Clinton Dix, Pierre Desir, Darkeese Denard, Morris Claiborne, Jason Ferret, Rashad Breeland. The list keeps going on, and there's yeah. more beyond this as well. Yeah. If you just look online, you can get a list of all of the free agent like quarterbacks and safeties, and it is amazing. Yeah. You'd, you'd look at that list, go the amount of names you know, and go, like, who is still signed to a team? Yeah, the only the only position that you'll find hard to get is a genuine bona fide cornerback uh, one. Uh, I think Ronald Darmy's really the only one who can quite qualify like that. Stephen Nelson, Bradley Roby, who isn't even on this. Yeah, Bradley Roby, they're kind of guys who were effectively made number ones but didn't really like stack up. They were good. They're both young, so there's definitely potential for growth, but they didn't really make it. Whereas Ronald Darmy has proven himself as a lockdown CB one. And then you have these interesting coverage safety people like Tyra Matthew coming off, uh, obviously after getting going get past his injuries, having a somewhat good comeback here in Houston. Can he get back with another year of off season to being the honey badger that we we used to fear? And Lamarcus Joyner, someone who's a converted cornerback who was pretty pretty brilliant in 2017, maybe not as good in 2018, but. It could be, you know, very interesting there. I think when you're just looking, when, once you go linebackers and further back, unless except for cornerback ones, there's really just so much depth there. And yeah. I think if you if you have your cornerback one, if you have some guy you trust, there's so many different options you have here for people to pair them with, uh, ranging from the younger guys like Pierre Desir, um, who had like a breakout year, to having someone who might like have a break, like might have a who's older but could still do the job. Kareem Jackson, Jason Barrett, uh, Bashar Breland, these guys can still do it. And then there's loads of slot guys going around, like their keys to town and Bryce McCallan. I just think, yeah, like as, if you're not looking for an elite guy, if you're looking to fill in the gaps around the guys who are your franchise guys going forward, I think you've got plenty of options here to do that, relatively on the cheap for whoever ends up oh, like, yeah. missing out in the musical chairs here. These these are the spots where you want to have your needs at the moment because these are where you're going to find yourself a nice bit of value. And I suppose special teams, uh, <laughs> nothing really incredible here. Ghost, uh, yeah, Gustowski is there. Jason Myers, oh, yeah, Cody Parkey. Seabass is around, I suppose. Seabass is interesting. <laughs> Dan um, Bailey. Remember when Dan Bailey was the second uh, most accurate kicker of all time? God, yeah. He, he probably still is. it all. And a couple of punters, Thomas Morstead, uh, Ryan Allen. Uh, Where's the long snappers? We need to know uh, about the long snappers. Yeah, that's that's actually I I I, I am embarrassed, Connor. <laughs> as the uh, organizer of this free agency preview, please allow me to give the most Japanese style, like huge bow in uh, recompense for my uh, ignorance, oversight. not including You're at least one long snapper. Having a long snapper category, uh, yeah. but yeah, like we saw this year. In certain points, that uh, the kickers do end up mattering, and there's a couple of guys who are who are okay here. But uh, you have the choice between guys who just came off a good year. Do you pay them, give them a long term contract, or do you take someone who was good for a while has just come off a shocking year? Looking at you, Cody Parkey. Looking at you, Kai Forbat. Uh, looking at you, Dan Bailey, and hope that they turn it around. I think kicking is just one of those weird arts that just no one really understands what's going to happen year to year, but. Hey, you have to have one of them, so you might as well. You're gonna have to take a dart for whoever's for the teams who don't have one already. Uh, like Jason Myers, remember, was I believe on the Seahawks and Jacksonville squads before getting cut by both to end up on the New York Jets and having a Pro Bowl season. So no one has a fucking clue. No, they don't. They don't. Um, but yeah, so that's a kind of a summary of what's sitting out there for agency. Uh, like I said, there's more that we could talk about that'll be, but there'd be more rumory type things of like. If the Chiefs are clearing cap space, there's a chance that what we might do is designate a post-June 1st cut and get rid of Eric Berry, because I think that would free up about $8 million at that point. I think we chose to do it early enough this year that all the ridiculous trades and cuts and stuff didn't happen yet. So Yeah, uh, like it's, it's, it's to kind of give you a primer. So when you think about your team and you think about where your needs are, these are the types of people that are sitting in the free agent pool. Obviously, we'll be doing a draft preview to have a look at some of the positions for that and talk you through what your options are going to be there and who you should be hoping for. Like under the current CBA, the way to build a team is through the draft. If, you know, the free agency thing is mostly for getting the complementary pieces who can get you over the top. And trading has really become a very active and important way of doing that because the guys who actually do get the free agency, there's usually a good reason why that's happening. 
um, or occasionally just New England, like whatever, we don't need you. Uh, no, so. of course. So, um, so we'll see. Like the like we said, there will be some movement, and like even by the time you hear, I think is it Friday that it opens. Uh, no, it's next week uh, on Tuesday, I believe it opens. Oh, but, okay, uh, Antonio Brown will have been traded by Friday. So. Yes, and there's also there there might be a few other bits and pieces that'll happen before then because things like the Justin Houston trade stuff like that, if that's to happen, I'd imagine it might happen just before free agency well, or something like. that. Of course, they all officially happen on the news uh, when the new season opens. Oh no yes, trades, of course. No trades occur before then, of course. No, uh, no, not. Uh, not <laughs> not, not, not even that one where we even have the details of it between yeah. uh, the Denver and Broncos. especially not in the official tampering period, which is still a hilarious concept. Yeah, it's just such a weird <laughs> thing. If you, if you want to give yourself a good laugh, go and have a look at that. So um, I suppose I'll wrap it up for now. Uh, any crack at yourself over the next little while? Well, I, I expect to, 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 to see yourself a few times before you head off to the... Ah, uh, yes, I'll be on my adventures. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have to be doing the tours all around. Uh We've got a few bits to do here, get some more packing, probably buy some more feckin' boxes. <laughs> Other uh, than that, uh, probably keeping an eye on the Six Nations. Ireland probably aren't going aren't to win it, but maybe they can ruin Wales' dream. It's not quite as much as ruin England's dream. And then, uh, obviously, our good... Surely we, we don't want to ruin Wales' dream, because ruining Wales' dream would allow England to win it. Yeah, it's kind of it's mixed emotions. <laughs> like Ireland have got used to ruining... Like When they don't win it, they ruin someone else's championship. So, maybe... Uh, and then obviously uh, our good friend uh, Sean Butler, much, much, much put upon Liverpool fan. Uh, obviously Liverpool are involved in a very close title race with Man City, so I'll be keeping an eye on that. I'm sure we'll probably be back on the air before then, but uh, there's a lot of twists and turns right now, so I'll probably end up seeing Sean a fair amount as he watches every game behind, uh, behind his hands, that. behind the couch. I think it was four years ago or maybe five years yeah, ago at this point. Gerard yeah, Gerard's season. Yeah, and we were just watching it. And like I remember at one point, Sean, uh, who actually you remember from the post-Super Bowl show, uh, he was just watching it. I think it was the game where they went 2-0 up against Crystal Palace and then lost 3-2. Yeah. And we were out at a pub quiz. And once that happened, he just stopped talking. And it wasn't until like round four or five of the Pope quiz that he actually spoke again. <laughs> it was just really awkward because we're all like kind of giggling to ourselves being like, we should poke fun. But he actually seems like he might crack. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit too real. Um, yeah, so course. yeah, like probably keep an eye on that and then tipping away at work and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Book a holiday or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be good fun. I'm going to be packing up. I have to decide what like. Economics. It'll be a bit busier, a bit busier. <laughs> uh, so, like, deciding what economics books need to come over with me and which ones don't and things like that because I'm going to have to finish up the Masters over there. Uh, on the plus side, I found out I can sit my exams in September in Iraq, so that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, like, I don't know, like, well, I suppose in Iraq you'll probably have plenty of time for study and plenty yeah. of time to get ripped as well. Oh, yeah, so you know it. <laughs> I'll just That's start a like... vlog. It's like, it's the modern male equivalent of being like a put-upon housewife. I'm cooking food every day and working out. Oh, yeah, you better believe it, son. You better believe it. But no, uh, yeah, what we'll do is a good show, actually, yeah. Yeah, we'll make, make a TV show out of it, uh, become internet famous. More internet famous than now, because we're obviously, we're, we're, oh. we're internet superstars with our podcast. Um, but yeah, we'll wrap up for now. So as always, uh, fire us any questions you have on the Twitter, Facebook, all those kind of things, and... Uh, yeah, should be good fun. So we'll uh, we'll leave it there for now. And uh, it's bye from myself. Bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Uh, we'll chat to you in about probably two to three weeks' time. And uh, catch you again.